the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stream on the go with the free business 1440 app. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Day 22 and counting. That makes a partial government shutdown the longest in U.S. history now. With neither Congress nor the White House budging on the issue of funding a border wall, Vice President Mike Pence does say Congress has approved back pay for all federal workers who aren't being paid during the shutdown. All the dedicated professionals at Customs and Border Protection and all of the agencies affected by this shutdown will be paid in full when the government reopens. Your families will get your paychecks. Federal workers received pay stubs on Friday with only zeros on them as the effects of the lingering partial government shutdown hit home. Police in Ottawa are investigating the crash of a double-decker transit bus on Friday that left three people dead and more than two dozen injured. The driver of that bus is in custody. Police have not said exactly what happened. This is SRN News. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, forever cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Visit Chet Shoes this season for warm winter boots. Our Chet store in Columbia Heights features New Balance snow boots for men and women. Come in to try on the sole of a sneaker paired with the heart of a boot. Now's the time for insulated work boots. Check out our Red Wing stores and our Chet store for safety and non-safety toe options to keep you warm, dry, and supported this winter. Stop in to see us in Columbia Heights and our Red Wing stores in Circle Pines, Coon Rapids, Bloomington, and St. Cloud. If the shoe fits, you've been to Chet. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. Good to be with you. Well, 
We'll talk uh, more about uh, Mr. Powell in a moment, but uh, first, my very good friend Kim Crockett from the Center of the American Experiments on the line, 651-289-4477, the number she called. You can, you can get in line, but after Kim. Kim, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. So yeah. I was uh, listening, you know, as I often do. Uh, yeah. You don't know it, but I'm keeping you company while you do the show. Great. And um, you and I share an interest in public pensions. Yes, we do. Uh, and their unfunded liabilities. And that interest has led me to uh, pay attention to savings rates of Americans who may or may not be in the public sector. I'm also, you know, pushed, you know, in my late 50s, so I think about all these things. So you were you were talking about how the Chinese save a very impressive 23% of their income because there isn't a social safety net, so-called social right. safety net that we right. have. Right. And I was thinking... And then, you, and then you suggested that maybe if they spent a little more of their money, that that would be a good thing uh, for the world, you know, trade, you know, balances and so forth. And and I had to call because I don't want to discourage the Chinese or anybody from saving. And I think I think Americans should be saving uh, the way the Chinese do. Um, oh, okay. So, okay, so, so, so how let, would you address how would you address that, Professor? Okay, so um, I would. What, what so would here's happen a, if Americans did that. So if uh, Americans saved more, then mm-hmm. what would happen? Is, what would happen is, and this goes this goes to my my statement about the balance of payments always being in balance. If the U.S. saved more, it would import. We would sell fewer assets overseas. Our trade deficit would go down. If we would just save more. We would be there. Okay, now the, in the world as a whole, savings as a share of GDP is about 8%. In China, it's 23%. All right, so, so one, and if you look at their social spending as a share, if you look at social spending in their budget, their government spends, the Chinese government spends its budget on infrastructure and defense. Far mm-hmm. more than it spends on social spending relative to most every other country in a similar situation. India spends about double what the Chinese spend on, on social spending. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you and I would probably agree on, uh, uh, probably agree on, on this is that the Chinese income tax system is regressive and it also applies to, applies to pension income. So when a Chinese citizen stops working and is receiving social support from the from the state it's being taxed at at a rate that's that's about the same as what they paid when they were working so as a share mm-hmm. of their income their 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 income taxes are regressive so maybe you and I would could come to an agreement that maybe we should maybe we should fix the tax issue first in terms right. of uh, you know, making their tax a little more progressive um, this is one of the few cases where I use the word progressive in a positive sense, uh, and, 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 and 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 then maybe turn to the question of turn the question of is is there enough support for the uh, for the elderly poor in China vis a vis healthcare? Do we want them saving for that out of their private out of their pockets, or should there be some so should there be some safety net of support for them? Uh, you know, and and. 
once we break it down at that level, I'm not t- saying China should go back to twenty, should go from twenty three to eight, but if they were to go to just to the level, go to the level that's in Nigeria, for example, which is which is closer to twelve percent, if they were to go there, the amount of spending per per capita in China would consumption spending per capita would would basically double. And that doubling yeah, would then huge, be an yeah. that'd be a that'd be a huge engine for for world uh, GDP growth. Well, um, Professor, mm-hmm. um, I have to admit that I don't care uh, to uh, address that heavy lift in China. What I want to do is try to convince Americans to save more, sure. because I think our I think our social safety net uh, is actually in, you know actually imperils our entire, um, you know, uh, fiscal uh, situation here. I mean, you and I have talked about this many times because it's not funded. And so rather than reverse good habits across the globe, um, what I wanted to suggest is that we probably need to develop that discipline. I'm thinking of um, my great-grandparents, and you probably, you might have a similar story, when they died, like when my great-grandmother died, even though she'd been widowed for decades and had no income over that time period, it was just saved and invested, and she lived very frugally, she left hundreds of thousands of dollars to her family right. because she didn't spend. She's Scottish. She's actually from Scotland. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, Annie, yeah. great-grandma Annie, and I'm just thinking of, because she was born at a time where she didn't look to Uncle Sam to take care right. of her, uh, you know, d- while she was either living or, you know, or, or working in working years or retirement years. And so she developed the same habit as the Chinese, where right. she and great-grandpa tucked everything away and then very carefully invested it and lived Below their means, you know, simply in mm-hmm. uh, in all of that, setting just a marvelous example that you know it still had been passed down through the family. So, I was alarmed at hearing my pension buddy suggest that um, a save, you know, that sort of saving discipline might not be copied rather than um, discouraged. Well, and, uh, I I I, I get the, I, that. Okay, you know? okay, I I I accept your I I accept your reproach. Uh, on on that score, <laughs> uh, but I, I but let me let me, I'll, let me this is my my gentle pushback, um, and it's yeah, gentle good. in this regard. I believe that that the U.S. needs to save more. I it, it is fascinating to me how little savings there is. I have a I have a I have a grandparent story like you do uh, that that involves uh, U.S. savings bonds literally stored under the mattress um, yeah. of my of my grandmother. And and they were bought in the 1940s. They were bought. They were bought as part of uh, her response to the war effort during World War II, and um, and then hidden there for gosh, when did she pass away? Like 96. So so it would have been more than 50 years they were hidden, uh, and then brought and then brought out. And, and I mean, it makes you cry because because I did a calculation oh, yeah. at the time. I did the calculation. How much of her income was that? And my guess is it was in excess of, of uh, it was in excess of twenty percent. So she was saving at those Chinese levels uh, during World War Two. She, she wasn't. Had, in, but she wasn't investing. 
she it's wasn't really investing. investing. She bought. Right. She wasn't right. really investing. That part. That part escaped her. Uh, she. Right. She never. She never got that kind of advice. I think Americans overestimate the value of the Social Security system to to them. I think. I think our children, yours, your children, my children, who are comparable ages, I think have realized that that's not going to be there. But then I ask them. So if you think Social Security is not going to be there, what are you doing to prepare? Mm-hmm. And and this is where I think we still have the issue of our 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 children and our and and I don't have grandchildren old enough to be aware of these things yet, but but uh, our children or our grandchildren not you know doing the okay. So what what happens next? If there if I think Social Security is not going to be there for me, what happens next? <clears throat> And their answer is, well, something, some other government program will come into being, and I believe that the government will take care of that, and the government should take care of that, rather than what your grandparents and my grandparents did to say, I better prepare for it myself because there isn't anybody else that's going to step into place. We have not educated our children properly you know, in terms of doing financial literacy and economic literacy right. to getting them to understand you know what's the impact of make what's the impact of uh, of thinking that the government is not going to be there to save your baby? You will end up, you know, you will end up needing that twenty three percent savings. And how many of our how many of our kids are doing it? I think very very few. That's why that's why, for example, right. I occasionally have somebody on to talk about to talk about saving for your children. I, I have financial planners come on to talk about that because it's like that's the mission. Really, it's get people to think about. You should be saving for yourself because at the moment you think you might need that government savings account, it's likely not to be there. Right, right. And one of the questions I would—I I don't want to interrupt the flow of your show this morning—but one of the things I've always wondered is if if Americans save at a more impressive rate, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout their earning years. Uh, what would that? What what kind of wealth effect does that have for the economy? I know that there's some trade-offs with, uh, you know, the, the global economy and our in our own economy because there's less consumption. But I would think that sa- that that kind of savings rate would produce all sorts of other economic benefits. Um, well, you know, but I don't know, and because I'm not I'm not an economist. <laughs> it, it, it it depends on so savings is 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 one economic unit's decision to consume less than it earns, and 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 the way it earns interest is to give that to somebody else, to some other unit that needs to spend more than it than it than it's earning, and the only way that makes sense if what they're spending on are capital goods that allow us to produce more in the future. So the question is really. Is there is there the opportunity to have savings move over to some unit out there that can invest it in the real economy in a way that that actually produces something where the borrower earns some income called profit while the the lender earns some some income called interest at the same time? If that if that's not possible, then it's not clear that uh, increasing the savings rate is going to be uh, really valuable to to uh, increasing our our living standards. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I, that's I, I, yeah. So, so anyway, well, still, thank you. As I always say when we're when we're talking about pensions, uh, save more. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, look, I, I think if I, still think, I think if you're, more. I think you're, I think that conclusion's correct. If you depend, yeah. if you depend on a pension plan and you have not kicked the tires really hard to be sure that they have the money set aside to pay you, your prudent strategy is to save in case they don't. Right. So right, that, and, uh, and it's not just for your own well-being, but it's. If you're a saver, it puts you in the position of being a generous person, whether it's with your your children, your church. Um, it's very right. it's, it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. So, uh, well, thank you, thank you for letting me interrupt the the flow. It's 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 an interesting discussion, and as always, yeah. I'm happy to tune in. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. Uh, t- take care. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, okay. Bye bye now. Uh, anyway, let me let, let's when we come back, we'll go. We'll we'll we'll. It was fine. It, I was transitioning to the Federal Reserve, so having having that in there is 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 a good point. I am not. I the suggestions I tweeted to you the uh, Brad Setzer uh, blog post that's there. Uh, Brad is probably more interventionist than I am. He he would like there to be a larger larger amount of health care spending. But th- that's a decision that the Chinese have to make for themselves. But the point is, the, the point's this. If you are a large economy and you are encouraging high savings, a high savings rate in your economy, what th- what's interesting about that is, and this is something that the Soviets did as well, the high savings rate in China is not to help the private, private business sector in China. The high savings rate in China is largely there so that the Chinese economy does not have to produce goods for Chinese citizens as much as much as it produces goods and services to export. Their policy is the high Chinese savings rate is part of an industrial policy that that is meant to help move them move their economic development in, in, into an export oriented drive, which is great as long as there's somebody on the other side to buy it. The US is saying, you know, not us, not anymore. Take, take you can have an export-oriented uh, economy, but you'll have to export those goods less to us and maybe more to some other places. That would be fine. I just wish that uh, in the process of doing that, that the Trump administration understood that means you need a higher savings rate in the United States, and you could start by lowering the size of the budget deficit. We'll be back after this. This is the King Banyan Show on Business fourteen forty. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts WOW11 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, 
and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting WOW11 to 88988. That's W-O-W-1-1 to 88988. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders Roofing. It is so exciting to think that the Lord loves us in such a way that he sent his son to provide the way for us to be directed perfectly, gently, and effectively. C.S. Lewis bluntly stated this fact, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. None of us can serve two masters. We try, but we cannot do it. As the hymn says, keep your eyes upon Jesus and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim. I pray that we can be used by each other to exhort and edify the church and grow the real kingdom. This is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. We strive to have our standard be God's standard. One of the ways we do that is we regularly look to God's word to examine our hearts and our motives because we try to glorify the Lord Jesus in everything we do. We strive to take these standards on your roof, on your gutter job, whatever it might be. Give us a call at 612-900-9166. Or look us up at thekingdombuilders.net. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. The first thing the new Brazilian president did after his inauguration was to turn and hug Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. That, and the fact that Netanyahu was there at all, is extraordinary. It was Bibi's first trip to anywhere in South America. Adding to the sense of solidarity with Israel was the sound of the shofar horn being blown by a rabbi. Bolsonaro has made friendship with Israel a cornerstone of his administration. He, too, has promised to move their Israeli embassy to Jerusalem. Our friend George Gilder has argued in his book, The Israel Test, that someone's attitude towards Israel reveals their attitude about entrepreneurship. Because of his approach to market capitalism, his approach to Israel and the Middle East, and his efforts to deal with cronyism and corruption, Brazil's stock market has been the best performer in the world. I'm Jerry Boyer. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Welcome back, King Daniel Show, Business 1440. 651 289 4477. Given the conversation on Twitter at pound KBRS. I would say Kim's call provoked quite a conversation, at least between uh, Narn Fan and Don are, are having a having a chat. Is isn't savings generally deferred spending? Absolutely, but if you want to earn interest on savings, there has to be someone willing to borrow it from you, who expects to make some kind of return on it, and if it's to help be helpful to the economy, it has to be invested in something that generates enough return that you can repay the, the lender and have something for yourself. The problem with a Chinese 23% savings rate is that savings rate, that's that, those, those, that deferred spending is being taken by not Chinese private businesses, but in fact the Chinese government, and le- except for some private businesses that are frankly engaged in, uh, in, in, in some rather uh, shady uh, financial schemes and, if you if you think Ponzi schemes are an issue in the United States, you haven't spent any time in the developing world where where they're rampant. Um, so that's uh, that's true. So yeah, you could save you could save more, but the question is, great, where are you going to going to lend it? And so you know how when when Narnfan asks, how can a pension make it with these interest rates? It can't. 
Um, and that's a point that Kim and I have worked together on for quite some time and, and, and suggested that when we assume that they can, we put, her, we put the uh, pension fiscal house in jeopardy. Um, uh, this is, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's just really, it's a really difficult thing. So I agree with, uh, I, I, I agree with, uh, I agree with the sentiments of, of both those post callers, uh, both, uh, both the Twitter uh, followers. And I agree with Kim to the extent that I, do I really want them to spend, do I really want to have them shrink down from 23% savings? I kind of do. But part of the reason for that is I kind of like them. I kind of like their government not to have access to so much cheap money that they that they shove into the defense budget to build artificial islands in the South China Sea, which threatens shipping lanes and threatens global growth in another way. Um, I would like that. Um, I'd, I'd like that. I'd like that to be. I'd like that to be different. Okay, and I'm just we'll be very blunt about that. Anyway. We promised to talk about the Fed. I, all right, I'm going to replay one more time this weird montage of pieces. This was on Bloomberg on, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, and it led off a segment where they were talking about what Jay Powell was saying. Play cut number one one more time, please, Andrew. We have had a week of Fed speak and Fed Chair Jay Powell's communication about the balance sheet causing even more confusion. He was talking about autopilot. But clearly, that's not yet the case. You're in a tough box. He sort of backtracked from that. No two ways about it. This was on autopilot. They're clearly still on autopilot. They certainly don't want it to stay at the sort of extended level. Need to consider that they need to be more flexible around this. How much is that still being repressed by the Fed's balance sheet? He's changed his wording. That's a small mistake. He has indicated that this is still substantially unnormal. But we'll, we'll see how they, uh, how they move forward here uh, in their guidance come, come March. So, what did he say? What did he say? So he's actually on a on another stage, talking to another reporter. Last week we played him with Neil Irwin at the AEA meetings, along with Neil Irwin works for the New York Times. So he talked to them. So now he is on stage with somebody from Bloomberg instead, and he's at a different conference, and he's talking some more. And I I I actually initially had like about seven minutes of this and i think we're only going to play about about a minute and a half of it but we're not going to play it all in one shot i'll have to stop i'll have to stop andrew in the middle let's play cut number two cut number two easing the fed bought a lot of securities and now you're letting them roll off is that the correct policy as opposed to selling them you're just letting them expire is that the correct policy in your view yes yeah, so that uh, we we wanted to um to have the balance sheet return to a more normal level which is a level no larger than it needs to be for us to conduct monetary policy efficiently. Which, what level was that effectively sorry what level would that be a trillion dollars don't know the exact level. It, it, that will depend Stop. on um, uh, the, the, really the public's appetite Stop for it our right liabilities. There, okay, so if it's possible to pull that back about two to three seconds worth, that's great. Otherwise, you can just we'll we'll just pick it up from there. So let's think about the bank's balance sheet for the central bank's balance sheet for a minute, because I wa- Okay, so this is the market confusion. The confusion is he doesn't give them a number. Well, why wouldn't he give them a number? Why doesn't he give them a number? Well, I want you to think about what's what's in there. The balance. So, 
the central bank has a balance sheet, which means it has assets and liabilities. Yes, there's a net worth number down there, but it's a government. It's a, it's a it's technically it's not a government. It's not a piece of the government. It's quasi governmental. But the net worth of the central bank is not worth us discussing. So let's let's imagine. So on the asset side of the central bank, they've got assets. Those assets are. Um, the assets on this are just um, our treasury securities, mortgage-backed securities, a little bit of physical assets, the buildings that they own, etc. So that's all on the asset side, and it's not not terribly it's not terribly interesting what's happening on that side. If, let me go to the liability side. The liability side consists of about five items. The two largest items of the central bank are its currency and its reserves. When you receive a piece of currency, if you'll take out a dollar bill of any size that's in your wallet right now, and you look at the words across the top, there are three words there. It says Federal Reserve Note. That's note in the sense of debt. That is a non-interest-bearing debt of the, of the bank. It's a liability. So the amount of currency that exists, in the wor- that exists right now is a liability. When the central bank, when we started the, f- the financial crisis in 2007, 2008, the amount of currency in circulation in the United States was about $850 billion. I looked up the number from, yester- from yesterday's H- H4.1 report, which is, which is one of the technical reports that the Fed r- releases every week. They tell you the amount of currency they estimate to be in circulation. I tweeted a graph to you at the top of the hour, and the most recent number is 1.715 tri- $1. trillion. So, in other words... It's doubled in the last 12 years. Now, are you and I holding more cash? No. By and large, that currency in circulation is being, is being sent out of the United States. It's demanded by foreign individuals. So, if we were going to go back to one, and why the questioner is just not making any sense to me. Why would he say $1 trillion? The only way you could go back to $1 trillion is to pull back, you know, $700 billion of currency in circulation. And I want you to think about what that represents. The Federal Reserve is issuing a note, issuing a liability on which it does not have to pay a penny of interest. It gets resources in return for, for a piece of paper. Now that is that is referred to in 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 economics sometimes as seniorage. I won't explain the history of seniorage because I I've written a I've written a whole paper on this. I, I but uh, the but that is seniorage. That is government revenue from the creation of money, particularly in this case of printing money. And the reason we're able to do that is is that the United States, despite all the issues that it has had over the last twelve years remains such a strong economy that that the world demands to hold our cash. Why would the Federal Reserve pull that off? So there's no way that the balance sheet is going to go back to $1 trillion. It probably won't go back to $2 trillion. 
I'll explain the rest of this to you in a moment. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Pat Boone here again, and I assure you, I have never before endorsed a pain relief product. Not until now. Not until Relief Factor came along as a 100% drug-free solution for people struggling with ordinary pain. Quite simply, Relief Factor was designed by doctors to help relieve those occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, and everyday living. Let me ask you, are aches and pains keeping you from sleeping through the night? or keeping you from taking those nice long walks or playing golf or tennis. You can't really call it living if you can't get around comfortably. The three-week quick start from Relief Factor may be all you need to lower or even eliminate these pains. A whole lot of people have already gone to relieffactor.com, and here's something you need to know. The majority of people who order the three-week quick start, now only $19.95, go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain, too. Go to relieffactor.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-930-2646. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-930-2646. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-930-2646. 1-800-930-2646. Did you know that 81% of Americans have at least one social media profile on sites like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? 30% of consumers say they may not buy from a business without social media presence. I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of Salem Media Group Twin Cities, and I want to introduce you to Salem Surround, the next generation answer to digital marketing for local businesses. Salem Surround can put your company in the middle of the conversation. Call Alyssa for more information at 651-289-4406. Let's face it, life can get busy. Between work, trips to the cabin on the weekends, keeping your eye on the markets, with everything going on, convenience usually comes at a premium. But Business 1440 is here to make things a bit easier. With the iHeartRadio app, you can stream your favorite shows anytime, anywhere, and it's free. Download iHeartRadio from the App Store or listen online at iHeartRadio.com and stay connected with your best financial partner wherever you go. Business 1440. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440, where we explain the details to you, because we know you can handle it. 651-289-4477. Let me run through this this for you uh, in detail. So, the, so we've been playing for you this clip. Everyone's concerned about what Powell said about quantitative tightening. And half the reason was, well, he wasn't clear about that. 
it's on autopilot. Well, it is yes and no. All right. How much has the balance sheet dropped over the last four weeks? I'm going to read you the last four numbers. This is tracked every Thursday in a in a newsletter called Almost Daily Grants from the Grant Interest Rate Observer. Philip Grant uh, posts this number for us. Um, the, and so in the last four weeks, $4.7 billion, $11.5 billion, $18.2 billion, and $105 million, so $0.1 billion in the last four weeks. That's the amount that the amount of federal fed portfolio of securities held out right so those are the asset side of the bank's balance sheet the on the asset side are the are, are these and what they've said is we're going to allow a certain per share of these these securities when they mature we're not going to replace them so it's a function of the maturity schedule, in part. Okay, when do these bonds mature? Which, if you really want to dig deep, you could actually figure it out. And I'm sure there are people in Wall Street who do that. And it's capped. They say, okay, we can't take off more than this amount. If it goes more than this, we'll actually replace this, the extra securities. They haven't hit that cap in a while. Because the cap currently is they could run off they can run off fifty billion in a month. So what they've done is they've run off thirty five billion in the last four weeks. What's the size of that portfolio? Okay, um, okay, we'll have to be a little quick on the trigger here, Andrew. Uh, let's continue. This is Jay Powell answering a question at a conference, being interviewed by somebody from Bloomberg, played on Bloomberg Television on Thursday. Go. The, the, really the public's appetite for our liabilities, specifically currency. To us, that's a liability, and the public has a large appetite for currency and also reserves and other, and other liabilities. So the, it'll be substantially smaller than it, than it is now. But What is it now? What is the balance sheet now? It's a little under $4 trillion. It was Stop. Trillion. Okay, so he's about to say it's one tr- it was $1 trillion back before, before the, start of the start of the recession in 2007. Yes, true. Okay. It's currently four trillion, and we're talking about something over the last month fell by thirty-five billion. Right? Okay. All right, math. Okay, math kids. How much is that? That is actually only about four. That's only that's so that's point oh four of a number. That's four. So that is one percent. We're fussing about 1%. And indeed, when they started this policy back in October of 2017, this has been going on for 15 months. The balance sheet has shrunk by a grand total of under 9%, including 7%, which is an annualized rate of about 7%. Where does that come from? Well, as Powell says, one part of this is there's an increased demand for currency just over the last five years. Go back to my graph. Uh, back at the beginning of 2015, okay, currency in circulation, $1.34 trillion. Again, about, about 60 to 70% of that money, this is an estimate we don't know for sure because we don't, we don't have tracking chips on every single dollar. One point of that, about two-thirds more or less, is circulating outside the United States. It went from 1.34 to currently 1.72. So 
So we've had an increase just in the last four years of about $360 billion of additional currency that's floating out there. Probably for the most part being held by foreign citizens. It is an interest-free loan to the United States. They are basically buying our piece of paper in return for resources they send to us. Some of that trade deficit comes from there. The next piece of it, which he referred to, is reserves. Those are deposits that commercial banks make with the Federal Reserve in return for, in return f- it, it, that they make. The Federal Reserve is holding that. That's a liability for the, for, the, for the Fed. It is an asset for the commercial banks. That number, on to go back to that same date, that number was around $2.5 trillion in 2015. That number is now $1.5 trillion. We've taken a trillion out of excess reserves. That means reserves that the banks are leaving at the Fed that they don't have to. There is amount of, there's amount that they're required to, but they don't have to. So that's there. But there's more to this than that. Because another liability of the Federal Reserve is these reverse repurchase agreements that the Fed has. What happens in a reverse repurchase agreement, the Fed has, has, an, has uh, goes to the cent, goes to the commercial banks and says, says, we would like you to buy from us one of our securities. We're going to give it to you. You're going to give us you're going to give us some of your excess reserves. We're going to take them out of circulation. And then we will, we will give you back your, your reserve tomorrow. You'll give us back our security, and we'll pay you a little interest on that money. Those reverse repurchase agreements are another way in which the, the banks make money at, at the expense of the Fed. And they're another, t- they're another quarter trillion dollars. That, was, that number was approximately zero back in back in 2013. And then the last bit that's in that of, is, is the deposits that the U.S. Treasury has w- at the Federal Reserve in order to pay for goods and services. That number is about $400 billion. So the Fed's balance sheet has lots of stuff going on in there that do not, does not represent something that's necessarily impacting what's happening on happening the economy. Everybody that hears this knows this. And because reverse repurchase agreements are new, because the demand for currency has, has increased at a fairly rapid rate in the last 10 years, who the heck does know where, where the size of the balance sheet should be? But somehow, Powell is wrong to sort of say, you know what, we're not exactly sure how much, how much should happen in here. Let's go ahead and play out the rest of this clip. Before the crisis, it will, it, it's, it will be smaller than it is now, but nowhere near what it was before. And the reason is currency, has, currency was you know, well less than a trillion before quantitative easing started and now is, is moving up toward two trillion. As you look back on the Great Recession and what the Fed did with its various policies, with TARP and other things, uh, would you say there's anything that you've learned at the Fed that if you had a similar problem in the future, you would do something differently? 
You know, um, I would say, and I, I'm, I, raised, I raised concerns in my early years at the Fed about quantitative easing and how effective it would be. I would say if you, if you look fairly back at the record and, and don't expect perfection, that the Fed did a very good job, particularly in the, in the, at the height of the crisis, the first quantitative easing program and the other things that the government did, not the Fed, were successful in ending what had all the makings of a collapse of the global financial system. That didn't happen, and it had never happened. And I think that's because of the efforts of the people who were in government, including the Fed, but also including the administration at that time. Okay, when we played this before the show, uh, Andrew heard me grunt during this thing because, man, I don't like this clip. <laughs> I don't like that, that last answer. That's the one that made me upset. It's like, so we're still defending QE1 as a good idea. If you don't do QE1, then you don't do the other QEs, and you don't have the issue you have with this quantitative tightening now. So he's fine with it, and and so to the extent that the market is confused, I think I think he's, I I mean he's part of the problem. He's not part of the solution. And I guess I shouldn't cut him so much slack because he's okay with this. But at the, I I come back to this point. I think these communications have not been that that unclear and indeed um indeed i i was interested in a particular by one person who uh i thought i thought this person got got most of the comments about about the market versus the fed right this is alicia levine she's a chief strategist uh for equities at bank of new york mellon or or sometimes i call it bony mellon uh and this was this was her also on bloomberg on i believe this is on now this must be on thursday because that's when they release the minutes of the meeting let's play cut number three please alicia what do you make of the fact that really the fallout from fed chair powell on december the 19th seems to be completely unwarranted because actually there was some caution in the minutes well, I'm happy to see that there was caution in the minutes because it means that the market didn't mug the Fed. <laughs> because if you remember, the three yeah. trading days after the hike, the market sold off 9%. And then just last Friday, Powell was very dovish in his comments. And there's a concern if there's that much of a difference between the FOMC and what the market is saying. And you just don't want it to be a messaging issue. You want it to be that this is what the FOMC really believes that caution is warranted, that they're going to be data dependent, and there are alternative outcomes that they should be aware of. So actually, I take great comfort in these minutes. And so I, and I went and read the minutes, and there were people out there who were saying that the minutes reflected um, the data dependency, but his comments did not. I'm going to go back. I didn't, I didn't think to have... Uh, to have Andrew pull this particular clip. Um, so I went back to the to the press conference after the release of the FOMC statement. This is from uh, uh, December 19th. And, and I went through and looked for when he used the word patient in those comments. He did not in the prepared statement. But in the very first answer to a question posed by Sam Fleming from the Financial Times, um, Talking about the tepid inflation data, he answers, and I'm going to give, I'm going to read the whole answer to you. Just take me a moment. Well, you're right, Sam. Inflation has come in a touch below where we expected it to be, not by a big amount, but by a small amount. 
More broadly, 2018 has been the strongest year since the financial crisis, and during that period, we've had low employment and strong growth, and inflation has still remained just a touch below 2%. So I do think that gives the committee the ability to be patient in moving forward. As I mentioned, there's significant uncertainty about both the path and ultimate destination of further rate increases. Well, my heavens, it's right on page five. Go, go, pull the, go pull the transcript of the press conference. It's right at the bottom of page five. I'm not sure how much more, how much more he needs to say. And yet, and yet the market continues to sort of beat the snot out of him. Uh, and, and, and I think that, uh, I think that uh, maybe, maybe he had to say it again, but I think the market hasn't been listening to him in the way, in, hasn't listened to him well enough you know, and did not listen to him well enough on December 19th. We'll be back with some final comments after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's news. An ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose, supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Step into Chet's Shoes, where good old-fashioned customer service is always in style. Check us out today for a custom-fitting and friendly one-on-one assistance. Chet's takes the time to get to know you and your job so that we can find you just the right boot. Our friendly staff knows the products we are selling and will never pressure you to buy anything. We've been finding people the appropriate footwear for over 70 years. In a world where people hide behind avatars and get lost in the aisles of a big box store, find friendly faces at Chet's who know and stand behind the products they sell. That's why if the shoe fits, you've been to Chet's. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're for imprint promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts WOW11 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. 
Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting WOW11 to 88988. That's WOW11 to 88988. If you could build the world's greatest radio station, where would you start? We'd begin by creating a live station that's able to provide breaking news updates. Then we'd install some of today's top political voices behind the mic. Finally, we'd craft a convenient way to listen with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not a work in progress. It's on the air now. AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent radio. Online at am1280thepatriot.com. Welcome back, King Daniel Show, Business 1440. Good to, good to talk with you today. We've been picking apart um, the concern. Let, uh, let me say it this way. You know what? I'm actually going to let Ms. Levine. We are talking about uh, Alicia Levine from Bank of New York, Mellon, um, speak. Uh, she's chief strategist for equities for them. And um, and she was she was talking about the about about the about this disconnect that I think is really there between what the market sees and what the Federal Reserve sees. And she's already talked about the idea that the Fed didn't get mugged by the market. I believe I believe Ben Bernanke got mugged by the market and uh, the, the the taper tantrum uh, back back in twenty uh, back in twenty twelve twenty thirteen when they first flinched at uh, reducing the size of the balance sheet. Okay, let's let's let uh, she's already talked about that, but let's go ahead and play cut number four, please, Andrew. So that's a great, great question, Caroline, because the truth of the matter is that the market has been much more dovish than the Fed this entire rate cycle. And we've seen what happens when the Fed collides with the expectations. Mm. So I do think that there's a pause for the six months of the year for the reasons we've discussed, that the data is coming in much weaker in the rest of the world. There will be some effect in the real economy from the market sell-off. I think the Fed needs to see some healing there. The issue is, let's say you get a hike in the in July or in September. The issue is, do you heal the economy enough that a second hike comes into play? Mm. And that's an unknown. Interesting. That's an unknown. And let's just point out, the market is pricing in zero hikes for 2019, which is part of the bullishness in the market right now. A cut in 2020, and it's also pricing in a deal with China. So now we have all this great news beginning to be priced in, which is why the market's moved up 8 to 10% in the last six trading days. So how do you play it? What do you do with your capital now? Well, I'll tell you what's happening with your capital now. Everyone's kind of crowding the market trying to find something to invest in. It, 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 you know, the, the amount of volatility, the number of, of big gains and big losses, if you just take the variability, the VIX, in the mark in the marketplace right now, it is large. for For an econ- economy where employment's growing over two hundred thousand jobs a month, GDP probably will come in for quarter four pretty close to three percent. In a market like that, you know, in an economy like that, you would think everything would be fine. But what's happened is everyone is it's super fine, but everyone is extraordinarily nervous, and and acts in a way that 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 I think is potentially quite harmful to growth for 2019 
because no one wants to invest in this in this particular marketplace right now. They, I mean, in, in terms of cap, not talking about the stock market, I'm talking about investing in capital, inve- starting new factories, starting starting a new business. I think people are are concerned about what they see out there, and I, I think that that's the issue. Again, the so I read you what what Powell said on December nineteenth. I want to read you for, for these are the minutes that were released on Thursday. Um. With an increase of the target rate at this meeting, the Fed of Funds rate would be be at or close to the lower end of the range of estimates of the longer-run neutral interest rate. And participants expressed that recent developments, including the volatility of financial markets, increased concerns about global growth, made the appropriate extent and timing of future policy firming less clear than earlier. Against this backdrop, many participants express the view that, especially in an environment of muted inflation pressures, the committee could afford to be patient about further policy firming. Isn't that what he said on December 19th? Yet they all act like he didn't say that, and now that he's been clearer about that, or he's gotten them to stop picking on that point, now they've gone to quantitative tightening. And this is, and so but my first concern, when someone says, what's your risk to the market? My first risk to the market is the market itself. The mark, okay. The Fed is. The, I, I think Ms. Levine is correct that the that the Fed probably. I thought they would go up. Go. They would increase in March. I now think the answer to that is no. I think they might go. They might go in June, but they might go a little bit early. If they get three or four good months here, if if the growth rate in first quarter GDP in 2019 ends up being near the three percent range. They might go a little earlier. Remember, the Fed's given itself the latitude to move at any of its eight meetings. They're not, there are not, you know, press conference meetings and non-press conference meetings. They're now all press conference meetings, and this and, and this is this is going to be there. And I think so. So number one risk, you know, will be that we'll we'll be back in, in two weeks. I will come back to you and I will have the forecast and we'll have Brexit for you, which I think is going to go hot over the next two weeks. Thank you for listening. Andrew, thank you for your wonderful work at the studio today. We'll be back with you soon here. King Banyan Show, Business 1440. So you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss. You've seen ads from the national chains. You've researched the alternative products that cost a fortune, but there seem to be no guarantees. So here's good news for you. This is Dennis Prager. Go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what their hair transplant specialists are doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free. Their doctors have given patients in Hollywood and worldwide a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. You'll see a more confident reflection of yourself. In fact, they guarantee your results in writing, and their prices are some of the best in the business, as low as $3 per graft. So stop searching and go to INeedMoreHair.com. You have nothing to lose. Call their office in Egan for your free consultation. I need morehair.com. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Get the permanent solution to your hair loss at I need morehair.com. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders Roofing. I was thinking recently on how much I dislike buying or selling a car or making any large purchases. No matter what happens, I end up thinking I got the short end of the deal. I have a sneaking suspicion that many of you are just the same as me. I'd like to let you know that if you have us in your home, we will not pressure you into anything. We will tell you what we see as your options, but we do not want you to do something that will give you buyer's remorse. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. This is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. We strive to have our standard be God's standard because we try to glorify the Lord Jesus in everything we do. We strive to take these standards on your roof, on your gutter job, whatever it might be. Give us a call today at 612-900-9166. That's 612-900-9166. Or look us up on the web at thekingdombuilders.net. Hello, I'm Mark Stoneman, president of WNAV Audiovisual. WNAV Audiovisual provides equipment and technicians for events of all sizes, from a handful of people to large ballrooms and convention centers as well. We also provide installation services for churches, schools, and corporations. No matter how many people are at your event, WNAV has the technicians and expertise along with the equipment to make each event successful. Audiovisual services include equipment such as sound systems, microphones, projection systems with screens, laptops, draping, lighting, and all the related equipment, and also web streaming services. So your meeting can go beyond the four walls of your space. WNAV Audiovisual, where your meeting is our business. Please contact us at wnav-video.com. Your home for up-to-the-minute market updates. This is Business 1440. KYCR. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.